Welcome to Icons in the Making. I'm your host, Heather Stern, CMO at Lippincott, the creative consultancy behind some of the world's best brands. Join me as I sit down with the leaders of today's most influential brands. You'll hear stories of transformation and walk away with a new perspective on what it means to be an icon. This is Icons in the Making. We find ourselves in the midst of a cultural phenomenon in which the Barbie brand is at the center of global conversation around gender, diversity, societal norms, self-expression, and what it means to be an icon. It's the perfect topic for this show and one that I have a personal connection to as someone who loved Barbie growing up. So as I thought of who to invite, a few names came to mind. The brilliant Greta Gerwig, the impeccable Margot Robbie, the inspiring America Ferreira, or just Ryan Gosling. Any one of these individuals would have been an incredible guest. But as a marketer, I wanted to sit down with the true star of this brand story, Lisa McKnight, EVP and Chief Brand Officer of Mattel. She's a 25-year veteran of Mattel, and she's been building towards this cultural inflection point for over a decade. The story of reinvention began in a familiar place. The brand was struggling. Not everyone could see themselves in Barbie as I had growing up, and sales reflected that. As global head of the Barbie portfolio, Lisa, along with her incredible team, was instrumental in evolving the brand to be more compelling to girls and parents, driving relevance and revenue, even claiming the coveted spot of top global toy brand. Now, with Barbie the movie, Lisa has led possibly the most brilliant, innovative, hard-fought, record-breaking brand campaign that has everyone talking. Beyond that, it's poised to recontextualize both the Barbie brand and the Mattel ecosystem for decades to come. I'm particularly excited about this one. So without further ado, I am so pleased to roll out the pink carpet and welcome the amazing Lisa McKnight. Welcome, Lisa. Well, thank you, Heather. And thank you for that glowing introduction. I really appreciate it. Great to be with you. Absolutely. Of course, when you read it now, it seems, oh, well, it was all just, you know, meant to happen and, and it wasn't messy and it didn't require, you know, ups and downs, but I'm sure that's not the case and we'll get into all of that. But first, a critically important question. Did you grow up with Barbie? If so, did you have a favorite one? And did you have a weird Barbie? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm proud to share that I am a Barbie girl through and through. I played with Barbie probably until I was a little older than most kids. I played with Barbie well into my tween years. I have a younger sister. Obviously, other friends would come over and we would create these imaginary worlds in our respective bedrooms and play for hours on end. It was truly a key defining part of my childhood. My favorite Barbie is Malibu Barbie. I grew up in Northern California in San Francisco. And I always, at that time, aspired to live in sunny Southern California. Uh, San Francisco is known for its fog. And I just thought that Malibu Barbie was the it girl, living a fabulous life with her permatan. Very, again, aspirational to me at the time. So Malibu's my doll. Loved the whole world of Barbie, though. And I've got great memories of camping trips with Ken and all of her friends. So I could go on and on about my childhood memories of Barbie. Well, I have to say I have a similar story in that I also grew up and was a Barbie girl. And I remember my favorite, which I've seen now on the red carpet, was Day to Night Barbie. I loved this like very professional buttoned up. She had her hat. She had her calculator. She had her briefcase. 
And, you know, she was important and doing important things, but then she had a dress and she would go out and she'd had fun at night. And I thought, that's what I want to be when I grow up, day to night Barbie. But it's interesting because the experience that we have is not the experience that everybody had. And a lot of that was the crux of this transformation. I guess before we go into that, it's been, gosh, such an exciting summer. And just recently now, this announcement that you are promoted to chief brand officer of Mattel. So there's no slowing down for you. Just tell me a little bit about your headspace, what you're reflecting on through this whirlwind few weeks. Well, it certainly has been a whirlwind. And I think that, you know, the response to the film, to the brand has truly exceeded all of our expectations. Certainly all of us at Mattel and all of us, our partners at Warner Brothers. We always intended to paint the world pink. We wanted Barbie to be everywhere, to be omnipresent. And obviously lots of hard work to get there and many people around the world contributing, but we've achieved that. And everybody is celebrating Barbie. Everybody is enjoying the brand, the positivity that comes with the association and the color pink. I was literally at the theaters again yesterday. There are still lines out the door. Everyone is wearing pink and it's a giant party and everyone wants to be there. So I assume you've seen the movie then a couple of times as you see it. Are there new things that you're discovering about it? Anything just yesterday that you hadn't seen or hadn't thought of? I've seen the movie many times. I mean, literally, I think we're now on 12 or 14 times. Again, obviously along the way, partnering with the filmmakers. But I will say for me, what's bringing a lot of joy and why I continue to see it is I can't get enough of the audience reaction. I Mm -hmm. love seeing it with all types of different people and hearing their reaction, not only during the film, but after the film. You know, you asked how I've been feeling. This Barbie is exhausted. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We've had some fun with that expression naturally. But I will say there's been just such overwhelming pride. There has been so much effort put into this very difficult moments during the four and a half year journey. And now it feels just triumphant. I couldn't be more proud of the team, the collective effort, and again, the reaction to this incredible film that I will say, I bow down to Greta Gerwig Mm. and Margot Robbie wearing her producer's hat as well as starring stereotypical Barbie. I mean, they are two amazing women and a force to reckon with. Well, you're joining them in the creation of this as also an incredible woman and leader. And as we started off saying, it's like it's here, it's triumphant, it's amazing. But there's been a lot of blood, sweat and tears that have gotten you to this point. A lot of your role has been around this modernization of the Barbie brand. I've read about prior even to the movie, this four pronged strategy around brand purpose, design led innovation cultural relevance and executional excellence. And it does seem, as you know, look at this like case study, it's like check, 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 check. But tell me about that plan and how it unfolded and any twists and turns that you can share. Well, as you said in your opening, we were motivated to dramatically overhaul the entire brand about eight to 10 years ago when we started to see not only sales soften, but some really alarming research when we talked to not kids, but parents Mm. and learned that their view of Barbie was not what we had hoped it would be. They were many millennial parents in particular weren't connecting to her like they did as children. They didn't see Barbie as a positive role model for their kids. And the most glaring 
feedback and indicator that we had a brand health issue was when parents said they didn't feel good about giving Barbie as a birthday gift when their child was invited to a birthday party. So we knew that that was a huge issue. And again, you know, we realized that we hadn't done a good enough job communicating the purpose of Barbie, why Barbie matters. We had lost our way and we had really focused a lot on kid marketing, focusing on features and sort of product benefits, but not talking about brand purpose and not laddering up a larger message and more meaningful message to parents. So we did a lot of work with a variety of folks to cement the brand in the original vision that our founder had, Ruth Handler, for Barbie, which is to inspire the limitless potential in every girl. Barbie's the original girl empowerment brand, and we needed to shout that from the hills. So we started there from a communication and strategy standpoint. And then we knew we needed to really address every aspect of the brand, starting with the doll itself. The doll needed to be a better reflection of the world that kids saw around them. And one of the biggest issues with the doll that has always been a divisive topic is her body. Mm. And we needed to neutralize that, get people past her body. We needed to change the body and add more body types so we could, again, move beyond that and talk about what Barbie inspires, not what Barbie is. Mm -hmm. So that was really an incredible exercise led by, you know, my partner, head of design, Kim Filmoni. And what was crazy about introducing new body types to the product line was the complexity that that created. We had to think about all of her fashions, all of the play sets and accessories, the dream house for vehicles. Would every new body type fit into all of these spaces and places? As well as, you know, we added then skew count or added complexity to manufacturing. So it was something that was not taken lightly, but the team took it on and did an amazing job evolving. And of course, we also at the same time knew we needed to introduce diversity into the line. We introduced more ethnicities, skin colors, different hairstyles, hair fibers, eye colors. And today, after many years of work, I'm thrilled to share that Barbie is the most diverse doll line in the world. We have over 175 different types of Barbie in the line. It's incredible. And as you said, not just a design decision, which it is, but it's how do you bring this to life and how do you manage this and what's the right choices for different things? Did you have through this process, I mean, I'm assuming, but advisors to make sure you were hitting the right notes from a cultural standpoint, inclusion standpoint, how was that process and how did you decide when you were going to introduce one versus the other? We absolutely work with advisors. We've got some amazing partners and consultants that work with us that are really cultural consultants. And of course, we also sought counsel from a lot of important peers at the Cat Patel. Mm-hmm. There's a point in time where you're never going to have complete clarity on the right decision to make. And you know that you're never going to address every issue, every consumer need at once, but you've got to start somewhere. And that was really helpful and liberating when we appreciated that progress, not perfection, mm-hmm. is still the right way forward. Because otherwise, we were easily going to get paralyzed. So once everyone realized, you know what, there might still be some feedback that we receive about more things we could be doing for the brand. Let's own that. Let's acknowledge that we're not done yet. This is only the beginning. But let's start the evolution process. And that was the approach, the response to her new body type, the response to the diversity in the line. 
has really been incredible. And I would say what's also reinforced that is we carried that through to our storytelling, to the content that we've created for kids, to the role model women that we've started to honor in likeness dolls. And we've created mm-hmm. programs around these amazing women to inspire girls to see that they can really be anything with these amazing women. So we've definitely been very thoughtful and made sure we've been consistent in every aspect of the brand. So, you know, as we've said, this has been a journey. I know that the idea of the movie had been around for a very long time. Was there a tipping point where you felt the brand is ready for this big moment and it makes sense to do the movie? How did that all come about? And talk about your time with the script on the set, just anything that would be interesting to our listeners. Sure. Well, we have wanted to bring Barbie to the big screen for a very long time. And there's been a history of Mattel and prior to me as well, of folks meeting with various studio heads and discussing what a Barbie theatrical might look like. Barbie also has created many kid-targeted animated films, and we've mm-hmm. had a great success of animated movies that have been really direct to video at the time since 2000. So we've got history in storytelling around Barbie. I will say, though, it wasn't until Anand Price joined the company as our CEO in 2018 with his entertainment background that things started to really accelerate in a positive way. The movie IP rights landed with Warner Brothers, and we were introduced to Margot Robbie as a producer and her Lucky Chat production company. Anand brought her in. We had an immersion with her and her team literally in the fall of 2018 to start talking about possibilities and what could be and what would be the sort of macro angle way in. Obviously, we didn't have a creative treatment, but we all agreed that we needed to do something unexpected Mm -hmm. for this to be successful. And then six months, nine months later, Greta was on board. We invited Greta in to Mattel and gave her an immersion into the brand. And again, it started to go deep into the history, the origin, the purpose, the meaning behind Barbie and talked a lot about the cultural backdrop that Barbie was introduced against, you know, the 1950s when women didn't have the opportunity to cash their own checks. Yeah. Nonetheless, get a mortgage and have a dream house. I mean, exactly. And the creator of Barbie was not only and is not only a mother raising two kids, Barbara and Ken, but also co-founding a company, Mattel, and then creating Barbie. I mean, so when you think about female businesswoman, female entrepreneur, just another point of amazing inspiration. So Greta, I think, was really excited about all of that authentic history around sort of female leadership and female empowerment and female agency. So again, many sessions with the filmmakers throughout the year, started to read a treatment of the script late 2020. Then, you know, really things started to accelerate. The production budget was approved and greenlit, and we started filming the very end of 21 in uh, sound stages in London, outside of London, in the Warner Brothers studio. The team and I have been very involved throughout the entire process, reading the script, supporting the costume designers, set designers with mm. product inspiration from the archives. Anyway, it's been an incredibly collaborative process. We just couldn't be more thrilled 
I mean, I think the multi-generational aspect of it, I think, is really interesting. And I'm sure when you go to theaters, you see just the diversity of audiences. But the way that the script was able to and the set design and all of it honor, as you said, this heritage, but very pointedly challenge it at the same time, I think was really incredible. You talked about the collaboration and the partnership, certainly with the filmmakers. As you were architecting this campaign, I think you helped create over 100 collaborations with brands, you know, Airbnb, Crocs, Progressive Insurance, Xbox. And I think what I've read is, you know, these partners are not random. There's a thoughtfulness to who we should partner with and why. Tell me a little bit about that part of the campaign and this idea of collaborative advantage and this flywheel effect that kind of happens as you bring more brands into the fold. Absolutely. I mean, we've always had the attitude that we're going to partner with another brand, another category of product. It needs to be additive. It needs to be one plus one equals three. And we go through a pretty rigorous filtering process. Obviously, we want to work with companies that are supportive of our values and in sync with our values and promote inclusivity and celebrate female empowerment. We also look to companies that are, of course, leaders in their space and in their respective categories and companies and brands that are trend right and culturally relevant. So all of those factors come into play as well as are they appropriate? Is this the right fit for our audience? So lots of conversations with individual partners, as well as with Warner Brothers. Some of these partnerships, absolutely Warner Brothers drove. They drove the partnership with Progressive, with General Motors, Cold Stone, and we would partner. It's just been incredible. I think today the latest count is 165 oh my partners goodness. around the world. And again, across and growing. categories of business, apparel, accessories, footwear, luggage, beauty, home decor. It's really amazing. And like I said, everybody wants to play with Barbie right now. Well, the goal of having Barbie be everywhere has been met and surpassed. And it's just to see it continue to grow and every day, new stories and new people kind of adding to it. It's amazing. Design. You talked a lot about the role of design in the brand. Tell me about the collaboration between design and marketing and product and lessons learned and having it work and work well. I think what's really special about the Barbie team at Mattel is that we all really value each other's perspective on the brand. We value different perspectives. We value diverse thinking and voices from all different types of people coming from different areas. The leadership team across Barbie is the most passionate, committed group of people I've ever worked with. And everyone feels like a stakeholder. Everyone, regardless of function, feels like a brand steward. And I've tried to foster, again, that inclusive environment. I'm always asking my colleagues for their input. When we make decisions about a partner to go with, when we make decisions about even a social post and the tone and manner of that post, there are a group of people that weigh in. We're always making sure that we're thinking through unintended consequences, that we're not missing anything. But there is a real team behind this brand. I use the expression a lot. It doesn't just take a village to run Barbie. Sometimes it takes a large metro area. I mean, there are a <laughs> lot of people that contribute. 
to the success of this brand. Well, thinking about everybody being a brand steward and people from different parts of the company, you have been with the organization for 25 years. Looking back, are there experiences as you rose in the ranks and took on different roles that you really drew on in this particular moment in time as it was all kind of coming to life? Well, there was another inflection point in the Barbie brand's history that I was also very involved in, which was when Barbie turned 50. Mm. And so that was in 2009. And at that time, as a brand, we were sort of divided between a toy business and our consumer products lifestyle business. We had different teams running different competing marketing programs for each of these respective businesses. And we didn't have anything that unified us as a brand. And there was no one overseeing the communication, the positioning, the messaging from an integrated standpoint. So that was a time where also even at Mattel, brand wasn't even a word that was used. We were a toy company. Today, we're even broader than brand. We talk about ourselves as a high-performing toy company, but IP-driven. Mm-hmm. So we're really thinking about how do you unlock the value of this incredible intellectual property that we have at the company. So we've even gotten bigger and broader. But 2009 was an inflection point, And I worked with, again, amazing people cross-functionally from consumer products to toy marketing to design to marketing communications to pull together a point of view about the brand as she turned 50. And we started to position Barbie as more than a doll and as a lifestyle brand. Today, I would argue she's even more than a lifestyle brand. She is a state of mind. Mm -hmm. Barbie is this vast idea that everybody wants to embrace and connect to in some way, shape, or form. And it doesn't have to be through the doll. It can literally be through wearing a head-to-toe pink outfit. There are so many ways to celebrate the spirit of Barbie today. Well, I think that that spirit is definitely something that was brought to life in just such a beautiful way in the film. And as you said, Barbie was really the original girl empowerment brand a lot of discussion around the monologue that America Ferrera's character gives to stereotypical Barbie. And one of the things that I had just pulled out, always stand out, always be grateful, never forget that the system is rigged. So find a way to acknowledge that, but also always be grateful. And that was one of many of these contradictions that women have to grapple with and face and A lot of times I'm asked, and I'm sure you're asked about advice as a leader who happens to be a woman and a mother and all of these things. How does that resonate with you? And what advice do you have for those that are looking at you and thinking, wow, like I would love to be even a quarter of the way there based on what you've been able to achieve? Well, it's interesting. I've given a lot of talks. I'm the executive sponsor of Women of Mattel. Obviously, I give talks in other forums about what it's like to be a female leader in today's world. What I will share is, I think it's only getting better. Mm -hmm. And I say that because consciousness has certainly been raised and the movie reinforced that even further about the inequity that is still there and the complexity of how it is to navigate 
in this space as a woman. Where I'm excited and encouraged is when I was younger, starting in my career, especially as a new mom, I had to, I call it fake normal. And I would compartmentalize and leave the chaos at home. I had great childcare help, but I would race out the door, come frazzled into the office and immediately had to have a stiff upper lip and not show that other side of my identity that I'm a mom and everything was fine. No, the pediatrician isn't calling. No, my daughter's not having issues in preschool. I mean, I hid it all. And I'll never forget when I finally started to get more confident and use my voice, there was this sort of defining moment where we were dealing with something urgent and our executive team called a meeting at 5 p.m. on Halloween. And Halloween, for those of us, especially with young kids, know that that's a huge kid holiday. I mean, that's as big as... As it gets. That's a biggie. And if you live in LA, there's traffic. And so everybody leaves early on Halloween to get home, to be with their kids and to start the trick-or-treating. And five o'clock, frankly, is when you're out the door starting the trick-or-treating. And I had to say something. And I finally got the courage to say, is there any way we could do this first thing tomorrow morning? And I finally raised my voice and said something. And the reaction was incredibly positive. Mm -hmm. It was all men that were running this meeting and they had a blind spot. They didn't see it. When I brought it up, some of them even acknowledged, yeah, actually, I should get home to be with my kids for right. trick-or-treating. So I actually created a benefit for them. So I guess my point is, I feel like today we can show up as our authentic selves. That's encouraged. I think workplaces are becoming more empathetic than ever before. Certainly the pandemic helped with that. Absolutely. And everybody knows that people are juggling multiple things. And we want our employees to be their authentic selves. And we want to see things that we might miss. So again, it is a good thing to raise your voice and to not be a victim. Yeah, I, I love that story because it's in a way, there's a simplicity to just having raised it and shine a light on it. But I could relate to kind of a fear of doing that. And similarly, this idea as a young mom and working, like I really resonate with that fake normal. And literally when the phone rang, like trying to hide that it might've been the pediatrician. And I do think we've come a long way and I still think that there's a way to go. And I think the film, and as you say, Barbie as this idea has just sparked a lot of really good conversation to propel that forward. So again, kudos to you and your team. So you talked about Barbie turning 50. Barbie's going to be turning 65 soon. The brand is on such a high. It must feel a little bit like, gosh, there's this wave that we can continue to ride, but also like so much has happened up until this point. How are you thinking about the next number of years as you approach 65? And then again, would love to anything that you're thinking about just now as you're looking at the whole portfolio and replicating some of the things that you've done for Barbie. Yes, absolutely. We are 
appreciating that this is an incredibly unique time and a real milestone marker for both Barbie and Mattel. At the same time, though, we are incredibly encouraged and energized about continuing the momentum. Next year is Barbie's 65th anniversary, and there's a lot of reasons to celebrate and a lot of reasons to reflect how far she's come and to also discuss the future. We will be successful if we continue to go where our consumers are. So whether that's through more experiences, different categories of product, different channels of distribution, going into the digital space in more interesting ways, new ways of storytelling. As long as we stay close to our consumer and connect to culture, Barbie will remain incredibly relevant and continue as the incredibly powerful global icon that she is. So we're very excited about that. In addition, you may have read that we have many other movies in the pipeline. Yes. And we are, as we speak, working on a playbook to socialize with the other category leaders and brand teams, because we absolutely think that we've created something unique and special and explosive. This is a case study in the making. And we want to make sure that we are deploying all these learnings across all of our other brands and franchises. So you're going to see more incredible activation coming from Mattel across the portfolio. I can't wait to see it all unlocked. Well, it's extremely exciting. And I think, as you said, something very unique and special has happened. And I think people are going to be studying this years from now at their MBA programs and dissecting what you and the team have done. So a question that I ask all of the guests on the show and very apropos as we talk about one of the original icons, which is Barbie, who is your icon? Well, I have admired many women in business throughout the years. I would say early in my career, I actually wanted to be a broadcast journalist. So Katie Couric was one of my role models. She's also a mother of two daughters like I am. And of course, when she broke into that news anchor position, it was a very proud moment, I think, for women breaking through into some of these careers where they haven't been as visible. I would say today, though, I am taking so much inspiration from Greta Gerwig. She's younger than I am and is such a force. And I love the way she thinks. She is such a student of the topics that she creates films around. She's one of the most perceptive, interesting people I've ever met. So she's my new role model. Well, it's a good one to have. And I agree. And you talk a lot about the idea of storytelling and the way in which she's telling stories and the decisions that she's making and watching her in her craft is pretty amazing. Well, this Barbie is grateful and inspired to have spent time with you and get a little slice of the story that I've been reading about and experiencing. And again, as a marketer and a brand builder, what you've done is really amazing and just excited to see what comes next and encourage everybody who is listening, if you haven't, to see the movie because it's not just for girls and it's not just for kids. And there are some pretty amazing messages that are baked in there. So congratulations again. And thank you so much for being a guest today. Thank you, Heather. My pleasure. This was a fun conversation. Thanks for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, share with your colleagues and friends and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And if you're feeling really generous, leave us a five-star rating. Thanks, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.